Welcome to another episode of In the Box, talking to my partner, Elliot Anderson. I'm Daryl Skinner with Chester County Police, part of the recruiting team. Partner, what's happening? Going well, going well. Looking forward to this episode. I think this is one of great interest to the public. What are we going with today? Uh, we are going with our negotiations team members. We have two, our team commander and one of our squad leaders here today. Okay, Lieutenant, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Jessica Seidel, uh, Lieutenant here with the Police Department, and I've been with Chesterfield for 16 years. All right. Chris, our boss. I don't know about boss. I mean, <laughs> That's I how know. this podcast got started, buddy. You guys are the boss. Okay. You know. we, yeah. My producer. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yes. I, I like that. Yes. I like that. Yeah. No, Chris Rizzuti. I um, have been with the department for, I guess, going on 14 years. I'm currently assigned as uh, a member of our media and messaging team. And I am one of the squad leaders for the hostage negotiation team. All right. Awesome. And, and Lieutenant, what was your exact title for the negotiations? I'm the negotiations team commander. Team commander. Yes, okay. Sir. So I'll make sure I got it LT, right. how long have you been with Chesterfield? You said 16, 16 years. years. And if you start from, because again, our, our big thing is recruiting. How can we send this message out to the people that want to be police officers in Chesterfield County? Talking about the history of each person that we, has been, that we have been speaking to. Uh, how would you... Um, well, tell us about your history. Uh, university, going to college. Did you have to go to college to become a lieutenant for the Chesapeake County Police Department? Sure. So um, I grew up as a military kid, so we moved around quite a bit and landed here in Chesterfield. Uh, and I ended up at actually Richard Blaine College, where I got my associate's degree first. Okay. And then I transferred into Longwood University as a junior. I actually got my degree in psychology. Uh, my plan was to get a master's degree and become a family counselor. Uh, <laughs> okay. In a lot of ways, we are. Um, yeah. And I decided that after my four-year degree, I was done. And never intended to get into police work. It just kind of happened. Okay. So once I got here, though, uh, it was my niche. It was my thing. I've never looked back. And do you have a family legacy of law enforcement, or were you the first? I don't. I have an uncle who was an MP in the military, and I have an uncle who did, like, um, jailer. Mm -hmm. But most of my family's military. So, um, you know, I had a, that discussion when I was a, a young adult with my father about possibly joining the military. Um, but we decided... Uh, law enforcement was probably the better route. So. Okay, so getting out of the academy, being a patrol officer, what assignments have you had since you've been uh, in law enforcement? So since I've been with the department, um, obviously I started in patrol, and I stayed in patrol for a little over six years. Um, did the field training thing, the ID tech thing, did some recruiting with Elliot. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Great recruiter. Great recruiter. <laughs> had some good, good times. And then um, I went into our criminal investigations division, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I worked there for a few years. And then I came back to the road as a sergeant, and I was on the, on the road um, as a sergeant for a few years. And then I got transferred to our training academy. Right. was a training sergeant in charge of recruiting and officer training. And then I um, got promoted to lieutenant. Awesome. And I've been on the road for a little over a year now. Good, good. Chris? Yeah, um... I guess you could say uh, I'm from a family legacy okay. uh, in law enforcement. My grandfather on my mother's side uh, was with the New York City Police Department, uh, retired around 1980. Uh, my dad, on my dad's side, of course, uh, was uh, a police officer in New York. Then we moved down here. He was a police officer here uh, as well. Uh, actually still uh, in the business. He's since retired, but is currently working uh, as a Chesterfield County Deputy Sheriff. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, he's working in the courts. Um, so... It was kind of like, this is really all I wanted to do, Okay, uh, was be a police officer. 
and uh, went to Virginia Commonwealth University, got my degree in criminal justice, uh, graduated class of 2007, okay. and I pretty much started the academy right after that. Uh, I graduated, I want to say May 2007, and July 2007, I was in the academy. Wow. So you applied early, knowing in yes. advance that the position would be available. Right, right, because it takes about a year, uh, the whole process, you know, give or take a few months, and... Um, I kind of knew that, you know, I knew I would be graduating on time, mm-hmm. luckily. Uh, I, I say I was a, a mini super senior <laughs> because I needed to do three more weeks. <laughs> but uh, it was a quick little three-week class. Um, but after that, you know, it was smooth sailing into the academy. Uh, the academy itself was not smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you get used to it, you know, it's it's a great process. gets into great shape and mm-hmm. great foundation for your career. So I was assigned to the road for about five years. I'm um, sorry, about eight years. Then I moved to the crime solvers role, which is something you and I both have yep. in common. Yes. Take the time to solve the crime. Take the time. And uh, after that, my job kind of evolved into what I'm doing now, which is a lot of our digital outreach, uh, digital content. You know, anything that you might see on YouTube, um, this podcast, for example, uh, you know, helped create, helped. Uh, broadcast to the masses, if right. you will, mm-hmm. uh, along with you fine gentlemen and my partner, uh, Officer Shaduli. Mm-hmm. We're uh, getting everything out there that we can. Good. And you so, do internal good. videos and internal messaging as yes, well. Yes, yes. Yeah, we do a lot of training videos, yeah. internal videos that, you know, we're just messaging amongst officers uh, or our civilian employees, as well as anything external. Right. So soon you're not going to be in the crime service under that uh, platform of crime right, software. right. That actually ended um, uh, December twenty sixth, oh, okay. uh, and now uh, we're in what's called media and messaging. Okay. So um, that's that's been where uh, that's been what I've been doing. Oh, yeah. you know, one of the things Chris said was it took him about a year to go through a hiring process. Yes. Right. Um, because we constantly evaluate our hiring process in in our office is now down to between four to six months. Wow. Uh, we don't oh, have to make as many trips. And right. Sure, sure. Now, because of COVID, a lot of the stuff is being done virtually. So I want to make sure our listeners know it's a right. shorter hiring process, but just as vital to apply right. before exactly. you're right. interested sure. in actual exactly. employment. Exactly. And don't forget, that was like 14 years ago as well. Right. Yes. You know that I was going through that. So it, it did take a little bit longer at the time. Right. Yes. Well, well, how about the recruiting? Has Did anyone ever, ever come out to recruit you all or did, did you hear that from your school or did you see it? I know you, you've been in, Lieutenant, you've been in recruiting, uh, worked with Elliot uh, a few times. So did, when you look back on at, at um, Longwood, did you see any officers recruiting there or get any messages about Chesapeake County's hiring? You know, if I'm being honest, I, I don't remember okay. Um, okay. seeing any Chesapeake County officers or job fairs or anything like that. But again, that was 16, 16, years 16 ago. 17 years ago. So, you know, for me, it was word of mouth. Um, honestly, I went to church with a lot of um, police officers that are retired now. And, you know, I knew the reputation of Chesterfield County. And so it was one of those things where if I was going to do it, this is where I wanted to be. This is the only department I applied with. So that is still part of recruiting because you're seeing another officer mm-hmm. and seeing how that person carried themselves and, and speaking to them, saying things to them, saying, okay, I don't mind working in Chesapeake County, being part of that organization, which is which is awesome. So yeah, that's good. Absolutely. That's, just, that's part of recruiting. Yeah, and uh – when I moved here from Long Island, you know, we moved to Chesterfield County. My folks still live in the same house that we moved uh, into. So I've been in Chesterfield County since 1995, you know, 96, whenever it was that we moved down here. And that's what I wanted to do. I was going to be a police officer. I was going to be a police officer in Chesterfield County. I remember uh, as I was getting closer to the application process, I mean, I saw 
you guys mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. You know, right. uh, and you'd, you'd see Elliot all the time uh, right. out there. But you were with Crime Solvers, like Thank we that. said before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, man, I'd go work with those dudes. That'd be really cool. You know, and lo and behold, here we are. Good. And uh, yeah. yeah, I just I wanted to be. This is the only department I applied to. Uh, and that's where I wanted to be. Cool. Well, Lieutenant, can you tell us a little bit about negotiations? What's the structure um, of negotiations? You're the commander, so what does that mean for our listeners? So what that means is that negotiations in our SWAT team fall under the same umbrella that we call PERT, Police Emergency Response Team. And so um, as part of that, I am the team commander, and then I have two assistant team commanders that um, can fill in for me if I'm not there. And then um, Rizzuti can also fill in, you know, in, in that chain. So if, if something's happening and I'm not available available to respond, Rizzuti can step in and start organizing the team. We do have the team divided into two squads. We don't function squad-specific because we always like to utilize resources that are working first, so you don't know who that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we, you know, it, it does help with organization and unity and things like that and keeping things straight. So, um, you know, we have 15 members on the team, including me, and we expanded the team probably two to three years ago yeah, about that yeah uh, when we introduced the robot and just additional equipment it requires additional personnel so we we beefed up our numbers a little bit okay and chris you are a unit leader what's your title squad leader squad, squad leader. leader yeah and as a squad leader what is your role it's uh, essentially to operate amongst the chain that uh, lieutenant Seidel was just talking about um you know my squad is primarily responsible for the robot, like we mentioned. Um, I mean, we can fill in any function, but we handle the robot. We handle what we call uh, uh, going forward, which is, you know, if we have to use the PA system, uh, you know, what they used to use as a bullhorn, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we use that. Um, and anything that would involve uh, using that robot that I mentioned before okay. um, is what we would handle. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of just up the chain and, and just where I am at that point. Right. Walk me through the training part of being a negotiator. I mean, is it some in two years I can put in to be a negotiator? Do I have to be on some other special team? Do I have to take special classes in the academy? How do I become a negotiator? So for us, it does start in the academy. Um, every recruit gets an eight-hour kind of basic negotiation class. Okay. And then we also offer a two-hour class if somebody's interested in, you know, kind of some specific negotiation tactics for our patrol officers um but outside of that i'll tell you that that chesterfield county puts on a week-long school a 40-hour school that i have to say i'm pretty proud of uh we work with our regional partners and and you know other jurisdictions send their officers and team members to us to train um as a team we put a lot of work and effort into it but it's really 40 hours of of a hyper focused you know how to 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 hone our skills and our tactics and our craft of, of talking and listening to people. Um, and so in order to be an active member, you have to go through a 40 hour school, but yeah, two, two years on the road and then you're eligible, um, to, to put in for that process. And then even if you make the team, we can put you through a school. Right. Um, but I think it's always an advantage when you can get as much training to get yourself ready for that process too. And officers applied after the two years in the department and two years of good evaluations, work Mm -hmm. performance evaluations, and then there's a panel interview. Yep. And on that panel interview, who are some of the people, or not specific names, but the roles that they would play? Sure. So on that panel, you would see um, our PERT commander, 
Um, yes. And then you would see also the SWAT commander. Um, and then you would see myself and then an assistant team commander or, or someone else from the team. Um, and, you know, we do that. The, the SWAT commander will sit on our panels and I will sit on theirs just just because we work so closely together um, right. that it's important that we're all involved in those processes. So it's two separate teams and to combine to make one unit, yes. one function. Now, yeah. now, how often do you all work out? And you said the SWAT team. How often do you all work out with them or do um, training with the SWAT team? Yeah, we train once a month. Um, sometimes if we're able to, well, uh, twice a month. Um, but we will work with the SWAT team about four or five times a year, sometimes six. Yeah, so we do... Two full team days, okay. um, and then we do partial team days where we'll do a training with half of whether it's one of their squads. Yeah, it's been great to be able to do that because I mean, as you train, you're going to fight, right? So if we're going out to a call out and one has one hand has no idea what the other hand is doing, true. How are we going to be able to work together on that? So we're able to all put it together. Everybody knows their role. Everybody knows their function. And when we're in a live, real-world scenario, we're able to be as successful as we are. Now, are they called out a lot? And, again, not getting into the specific cases, but are they called out, the SWAT team, I'm saying, are mm -hmm. they called out and then they'll call you out or it could be vice versa? We usually function simultaneously. Okay. Yeah, usually if, if one is called, both are called. Okay. Yeah. And that doesn't always mean that both are aspects are going to be needed. Right. And there are right. often calls that initially both teams get called who get canceled. It could The issue could be resolved before oh, anyone yeah. arrives on scene. Absolutely. I mean, that, that probably happens more often than right. not where <laughs> you're geared up, getting dressed, you know, especially in the winter, getting those warm clothes on. And then before you can get out of the door, they, they tell you that it's been resolved. So Right. And that, a lot of that happens when – patrol officers the first the first people on scene get it resolved but we always call out of an abundance of precaution yeah. absolutely I assume yeah okay so if we get into a a, a case I'm, I'm going through a domestic at my house sure patrol officer can't handle me because i'm in that that state of mind of saying i'm going to harm myself or my family is that fair to say a a a SWAT team is going to come and take care of the problem. So it's a case say, by that's case. The administrative side. I'm going to let you handle that one. Sure, sure. <laughs> you sure? I mean, I can you know, step up and. <laughs> um, it's a case by case situation. Okay. There's no blanket answer that I could I could give you because it really whatever actions are happening on scene are going to dictate the response um, that they're going to get. Okay. Okay. So it's it's hard to say. But now, who would call you? Will the, the the sergeant on the road would contact you, or does it have to go up the chain before they would contact? And again, I'm asking these questions because I know there's going to be a student that I'm going to go to a school and hear this podcast and say, well, Officer Skinner, I want to be a negotiator because mm -hmm. I heard someone, I heard your lieutenant or I heard Chris talk about being an, an, a negotiator. When can I do it? When are they going to call me? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so the way that it works is if, if patrol has responded to a scene or an incident and they feel like it's something that they need additional resources for, okay. you're going to have what we call a watch commander working. It's usually somebody with the rank of lieutenant. Um, and that lieutenant is going to be able to make the decision on whether or not to contact our PERT coordinator. Okay. 
And then once the PERT coordinator gets the information that they need, they, they'll make the decision on what kind of resources are going to be sent out. Awesome. Awesome. I know television leads people to believe a lot of things. Yes. And I've seen a bunch of shows with negotiators. Yes. If you can dispel a couple things that you think that people perceive <laughs> about what you do yeah. that doesn't actually happen. Right. Um, can you think um, of anything off the top of your head? Sure. Yeah. Uh, our lives are pretty much a living action movie, and it's the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. So. <laughs> There's no downtime. Never a moment. Yeah, never. Um, uh, a lot of it is – I think the best thing about it is – I don't have an exact number for you, but sure. I can say by and large, most of the things that will get called out to end peacefully. Good. Um, and, you know, without any without any action, quite honestly. Or if there is action, it's minimal action at the most. Um, but the things that you do see, like, you know, if you're thinking about the Samuel L. Jackson movie, The Negotiator and stuff, it's usually not that, you know. Yeah, we're not, we're yeah. not taking our, our vest off no. and putting our gun down and... Trading ourselves out that's with the hostages, you know, we're not. Yeah, it's a good movie. A good <laughs> that's movie. a good movie. That's uh, yeah, they frown upon that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, that's that's improper tactic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because we see so much of what people perceive is not reality, and I know with negotiations, um, that's that's one of those things. I know, yeah. I recently saw something on television, and they had an entire RV. And that everyone was comfortable. The command center. The command center was really nice. We have a nice command center. We do. Um, but I know I've seen in years past when negotiators are, exactly. you know, elbow to elbow um, trying to figure it out. So That's accurate. Yep. Yeah, that, sure. yep. <laughs> now, do most of your people uh, on the team have degrees in psychology or anything in the field? Or they have the ability to do the job and be an active listener and a, and a good communicator? Sure. So... You know, I mean, I think what's important is that we all kind of have diverse backgrounds right. and different skills and abilities. And so that's what makes us accessible and unique is that we're all able to connect with different people in different ways. And, and you've got to have that. Right. Um, and so as far as like people's backgrounds, you know, I mean, military experience is great so that we can reach out to our military veterans. And, you know, we just people who are well versed in, um, you know, mental illness and, and sure. we work yeah. with. We work with our crisis team. We have crisis um, crisis workers who work with us and train with us so that, you know, we can use them as a resource. And yeah. so, you know, we all have different skills, abilities, degrees. It's not just, you know, not just um, psychology or criminal justice. Right, right, right. One of the questions I have is we've had a number of episodes now with Colonel Katz, Colonel Kelly, the Training Academy. Um, and physical fitness is an issue in each one of those episodes. Right. Um, what role does physical fitness play with your team? Good question. Yeah, we have a PT standard that we have to uphold to. We take our uh, department-mandated PT test to believe it's twice a year. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, just the overall nature of the job, it can be like, yeah, you know, okay, we are not active as, or as, as active as the SWAT team is. Right. And, you know, those are the guys that are in the pinnacle of, you know, fitness. Right. But there are times that we're called to assist with certain things that they're doing. Um, you know, for example, one call from a couple of years ago, I ended up running about a mile with our SWAT officers, carrying the robot with another one, which is a heavy piece of machinery. Um, so if you're not living up to a certain type of PT standard, that's going to really come back to bite you if, you know, if you're 
on the side of the road trying to breathe air in as much as you possibly can right. before you pass out. So we do have to have a, somewhat of a physical fitness requirement, yeah. I, I think, too, uh, for us, we push the self-wellness, mm-hmm. um, physical fitness, just because of the, the stress of the position that we're in. You know, some of these calls can last 10, 12 hours, um, and if you're thinking you're just sitting there talking to someone and it's not that hard, it's, it's exhausting, yeah. it's emotionally draining, and especially when you don't know how things are going to turn out. Right. Um, so that takes a toll on you uh, physically and emotionally. And so if you're if you're taking care of yourself, you're going to rebound from that. So speak, speaking of that, the longevity of a negotiation, how do you get your support after the incident? Do you go to and, and, and sit down and debrief yourselves and go over stuff? Yeah, we have a debrief uh, with the entire emergency response team. That's us and SWAT. Okay. Uh, then we'll have an individualized one uh, with the negotiations team only. Um, I think our team is, a, is in an interesting uh it's interesting in the sense that we're a very, very close-knit group of people. So, you know, we, we've gotten to know each other very well. A lot of us have worked together for a long time. And it's just the fact that, you know, being there for each, even being yeah. there for each other has been instrumental in keeping uh, keeping everybody's sanity, yeah. I, would, I would say. Um, but yeah, we definitely debrief. We do have access, of course, to peer support if we need that. Sure. Uh, department psychologist if we need that as well. Um, we have a good number of peer supporters that are actually on, yeah. on the, the team. team. Oh, wow. So yes. that's also very oh, helpful. Well, we both are, right. uh, in addition to more amongst the team. And I'm so. hearing that more and more about the units that we that we have been interviewing, that we've been doing podcasts with, um, that the family, that being there for one another is very important in our, um, yes. in, especially in this job that we're doing, even this specialized position as you all have in negotiating. But again, I, I like it. I, I, I never was a negotiator. But I feel like Ellie and I are negotiating all the time. With, oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. With, <laughs> with things that we're not dealing. Not the not the ten and twelve hour negotiations right, that they do. Right. Right. You know. But anything you want to add to our audience about what they can do to prepare themselves as they're in college, uh, doing the things, or in the military, if they want to look at two years after being in law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, for me, it's it's coming into law enforcement with an open mind because. Until you get a, to get out there and experience different things, you don't know what is going to fascinate you about the job or what your niche is going to be. Um, and so just experience it all and then kind of decide what it is that you want to take and really hone in on. Wow. And, you know. Yeah, definitely. You've got to keep an open mind in this business because you, I'm doing stuff now that I never thought exactly. would be what I'd be getting into, you know. I was going to be the next greatest homicide detective in the world and solve every single crime that came down the pike. And that just wasn't in the cards. Right. And, and not, I'm not complaining. You know, it's just you keep that open mind. And, boy, I, I'd like to try that. Wow. And you try it and you go down that road and it works out. Everything falls into place. I wow. think that's one of the good things about our department. We yes. have about 24, 25 specialized units. Yeah. So exactly. outside of the patrol division, there are a lot of other opportunities for people to come and grow and, and experience new aspects of policing right. um, that they may not have considered when they initially got into Definitely. the field. Well, again, another thank you all. Thank you. Another great episode yeah, of you. our podcast. And I appreciate you all coming out and um, sharing some of your skills with us. Yeah, we really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks all for right. having us. Yeah, thank Ellie. you. Well, we want to thank our listeners for checking us out again. Uh, check back in two weeks for the next episode. Again, if you're interested in employment, go to ChesterfieldPD.com and have a great day. Awesome. Thank you, guys.
Thank you for listening to the Chesterfield County Police Department Podcast. This episode was written by Daryl Skinner, sound engineer Chris Rizzuti. We are the Chesterfield County Police Department representing Chesterfield County, Virginia. Check us out online at chesterfieldpd.com.